0: welcome to the love sex and freedom podcast this is where you're going to discover how to bring awakening into the body and into everyday life through powerful tantric teachings get ready to release open and step into your true power Yeah, and, it, and it, it takes time, like this, this takes a lot of practice. Do, do this practice as much as you can in the reflection practice. So what I want to speak into is this thing where some, when people discover something that's debilitating, like I don't feel worthy of love, or I'm a love addict, or I'm a love avoider, or, oh, I'm going back into this wounding or that wounding. They call it shadow because they once were shadows. That's not your shadow anymore. So if you're working on those same things, you're not doing your shadow work. You're doing your shadow work when you have the wisdom, discernment and awareness to know that when something big is coming up and it's got you, you know when something has just got fucking got you and it smashes you, there's something unconscious. So this morning, I woke up, I was fucked, was not in a good space at all, and I thought it was something. You know, I, I had some pains, so I said to Aaron, you know, I'm, I'm in this really dark place, I, I can, You know, my jaw's still sore, I've got a headache, this and this, is going on? And he said, do you, want, you know, do you want me to give you a massage? And I find that touch takes me and everyone I know into the un- unconscious more than anything else, right? So if you've, if you've got, if you're a facilitator or a coach or if you're not, if you're anyone, you need someone else to hold you at times because that someone else is going to be able to take you into the unconscious more easily than you can take yourself right, Jung said very early on in his early days as a therapist that the people that he most respects and admires are his allies, other therapists who come and see him, right, and he would go and see them. And then another friend of mine who's a therapist, I said to him about a month ago, what do you think is the difference between an amazing therapist and an average therapist? And he said, The amazing therapist is constantly seeking the objective wisdom of another therapist, body worker, whatever. So, anyway, Aaron is an incredible body worker. So, he massaged me and then he started to do some internal de You know, not very often, but sometimes we'll give sessions to each other. And what revealed itself was all of this pain that we're going to be apart soon and this strong fear that I'm not going to be okay without him. Now, I had no idea that that was there until my body was touched, right? And then, you know, the other day when I had a session with Michael and he was bringing a lot of presents to different parts. Can you get girls' present? Um, he was bringing touch to my body and different sensations that I was experiencing and a lot of presence there, which supported me to go, you know, into what was underneath that. And I opened my eyes and I saw this trippy picture, went into the void, and then I had all of these visuals of different relationships I had And something was coming up around when I had cervical cancer, my cervix was removed, he was working with the scar tissue. And I had this huge realisation and I had this memory that I'd never had before of the moment that I decided that being in my feminine wasn't safe. And I was able to then go to that shadow of the feminine that felt helpless and made that decision, ask her what she needed and and connect to her. So, basically, I've worked with so many shadows, right? And what I'm always interested in, if ever I'm in a space of like feeling stuck, which isn't very often because I've worked through so many shadows, but this morning I was definitely stuck, right? And it's like, oh, wow, that's what was there, but I'm deliberately going in. So there's this space that starts to enter your life when you're committed to shadow work which goes beyond talking about the same shit you always talk about when your stuff comes up in relationship, which goes beyond the same shit you always talk about around money and around your job or your friendship circles, or your ex, where you're like, okay, there's a lot of energy here. This is tough. There's something unconscious happening. I need to dive in. And if I can't support myself, I need the support of someone else. And the most self-supportive tool is that first one, when someone triggers you, scanning your body, feeling what's triggering inside of you, where is that in me? Because it's not as hard as the feed the demons. The second one is feed the demons for yourself. But the ultimate practice for shadow work is to have a session with someone who can apply touch to your body, preferably, according to Raven, and who can see what you can't see. And, you know, the best thing that you can do if you're having problems, is turn to someone you trust and say, OK, this is happening and this is happening. What am I not seeing? Because I'm really charged here. And then actually listen. Like, how many times have you been out to lunch with girlfriends and they're complaining about some guy or they're saying some shit and everyone at the table tells you you need to break up with him because they can see what you can't see but you don't fucking listen. Who's had that, right? Or you need to lose, it, leave your job, but you don't leave your fucking job. Or you need to get a life and so, stop being so dependent on him, but you don't get a life and stop being so dependent on him. You need to stop being a cunt and stop running from her, but you don't stop being a cunt and stop running from her. So the next thing is you actually have to listen to that advice, which takes humility. To go to someone in the first place takes humility. In the manual, I've given you all the allies I found for the collective shadows so that you don't have to do that much work. I mean, your allies could be different, but I'd say they're around the same and I spent a lot of time feeding demons, so <laughs> you can reap the benefits of my hard work. With, with my know-it-all, I remember very clearly the moment I decided, right, I, I was so triggered by my ex-husband who, he always had to, like, keep going until... Until I knew, and other people had been like that, but because he was so intelligent, it would really gaslight me, right? And he would turn everything around to be my fault. We would spend literally all day arguing about who was right and going into all of these philosophical concepts. I'm like, I can't do this anymore. I've got too much shit to do, right? This takes way too much time. I've got two kids, two businesses to run. So I'm like, right, I'm doing it, going in. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find out what's behind the know-it-all. So what my know-it-all needed was gentleness. Like what came out of the process, like what he wanted, it was masculine. It was like, I want my mum and dad's approval. I used to get $100 for every A+. I was ducks of my school, I graduated in the Golden Honorary Society and what that meant was that there was all of this praise put on me knowing a lot. And who's had that? It's like the more that you know, the more praised you are. I mean, we all have it at school too, right? We get graded unless you go to a standard school. So in this process, I'm like, I want to impress my mum and dad, I want to impress everyone, I want their love, I want this, I want that. What do you need? I'm like, fuck, what do I need? Wow, I just need need gentleness. So then I fed this demon with gentleness, and at first it was this like masculine energy that was like and I was in court, you know, because I've got a law degree, so I used to do a lot of mock courts and that was another part of my training to know everything. So I just imagined it expanded and when I first saw that shadow, it was like, this is the case study, this is how it is. And then I'm feeding it with gentleness and it starts just shrinking, shrinking, shifting, shifting. And then as it's shifting, it just became very humble, right? And then when I went into that energy, it was like, you're, I'm, I'm the eternal student. So it was still an energy of wanting to know. I still didn't lose the essence of that shadow because what you'll find with the, the more shadow work you do, and look guys, if some of this is going over your head, it's okay, this is pretty advanced work. Take what you will and whatever you don't, it's okay. The essence of every shadow has like this nucleus that when it's fed and it unfolds, the essence still remains. So now I find it very easy to take reflections and be humble before. it. I find it very easy to stop discussions which are going back and forth and just say, hey, you're right. It doesn't actually phase me anymore since that process. And when I stopped, when I started saying to my ex-husband, I'm not going into this conversation, that's when our marriage ended. Because our wounds, his wound could no longer go codependent with my wound. There was nothing to bash against. And then he was getting aggressive when I wouldn't talk to him. Until eventually, he was screaming at me while my kids were home, And I said to him, you're scaring, both kids were crying. I said, you're scaring my kids, you need to get out of my house. He didn't listen, he raised his voice even more. Left the house and then I ended up saying to him, unless you can commit to not being aggressive when my kids are home, I can't continue with this marriage. And he said, oh, in other words, you want my balls in your pocket and you want to control me. I said, no, I want to protect my children. So the relationship ended. And, you know, there was more stuff added to it, but that was the final. <laughs> so that was the, that was the know-it-all, humility, my victim. You'll see in the manual there's an ally for each one. So I'll just give you one more example. You can read, you can read the rest. So I used to get really triggered by the victim in men, right? The, the feminine in a man... And I'm like, I really can't find my victim. Like, why is this triggering me so much? And then I did this practice. And we all have a victim. Of course I had a victim. And my victim was bat crazy, right? Because it had been so repressed. I'm like, I'm tough, I'll never go into victim because my mum was such a victim, so it really went into shadow. And, yeah wanted everybody to know how hard my life was, right? And, you know, I I see that victim coming up now, but it's conscious, and I'm like, okay, I'm going into victim, I need to switch this energy, which is what you can do when shadows become conscious. Yeah, that's the beauty of it. And all my victim needed was to be seen, and really, really felt. So I just fed it with this energy of like, I see you, I see you, and actually, When after the victim was fed, what arose from that was a deep sense of self-responsibility but the essence of the victim that was hard done by remained in the sense that once you become responsible for your own emotional body, you stop thinking you have to be responsible for others, which is what creates the victim in the first place. Does that make sense? Because you realise, oh, fuck, by taking self-responsibility, I really grow. Self-responsibility is the most amazing thing in the world because no, you're no longer dictated by the actions or inactions of others. It's always like, okay, this is happening. Let's check out what's happening in here. You literally shift your attention. You become a shaman in everyday life. You take the focus off there and you go, okay, what's happening in here? And you check it out, yeah? Did you want to add anything to that? No? (laughs) So, it's ongoing work, right? And the, the really interesting shadow work to do is our dating shadows, right? And the, the biggest dating show shadow in the feminine is over-connecting. And then the masculine starts to feel smothered or scared of losing his freedom. So he disconnects, which makes her even crazier and want to connect more, right? <laughs> and they're the perfect match for each other. And that's where we have Love Avoider, Love Addict, which you're going to find out more about tomorrow. And what needs to happen for these dating shadows to dissolve is to realise that actually, to come to secure attachment, we need to stop projecting daddy wound and mummy wound onto each other and go, okay, if I'm a woman or if I'm polarized in my feminine which most women are as their essential nature I need to start giving attention to my masculine which is going to be a lot in shadow cuz most women haven't learned how to cultivate healthy mature masculine energy and if I'm a man my feminine's going to be in shadow like if shadow work 101, you're in a male body, start working with your feminine. And Aaron does amazing work with the feminine in man. He's got a journey called the initiation journey coming up. So if you really want to do deep shadow work and discover who your feminine is, and you're in a male body, then I strongly suggest that you do his initiation journey. I also strongly suggest that. Mm-hmm. You found Scarlet, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. That that be afraid. <laughs> you should be afraid. It's not for the it's not for the faint-hearted. But once that feminine integrates in a man, like he's the most beautiful man to have a relationship with. Thank he. <laughs> I'm talking about Aaron. I don't know about Joe. I reckon he's all right. Um. Because he cries all the time, but then he's still strong and certain. He gets vulnerable with me. He shares. He knows how to say sorry. He can ask for what he needs. And of course, he's not perfect. No one is. But there's this beautiful maturity where, you know, she can be playful. She can be vulnerable. She can be sweet. She can be emotional. And my feminine likes having another feminine to play with and to share with and who empathises with me and then my masculine because I've done a lot of work on my masculine can be really direct and you know steer the ship sometimes be present have that strength and stability and what happens in relationship where there's really good polarity right and you can really feel like you guys probably can't feel it when we're teaching as much, but outside of the workshop space, I'm very, ah, I need my feminine with him. And his majority of the time in his presence and strength. So, there's still that polarity because the depolarization that happens when the contrasexual self isn't integrated doesn't damage our relationship. So, another complicated concept. I'll explain a little bit and then I'll give you guys a break from shadow work and we'll get to fun stuff about the tantric massage tonight. So, if my masculine was underdeveloped and his feminine was underdeveloped, right, none of us are going to feel safe in the relationship and what do you think becomes the dominant energy in any human when you don't feel safe? Masculine or feminine? Pardon? No, like out of masculine or feminine? Masculine. Right, I don't, it's like, the feminine's like, ah, ah, and then the masculine comes in like a guardian. It's not safe to be in the feminine. Here I am, I'm going to be my masculine, right? and then the dude is in his masculine, they're both in their masculine, but then if the woman's masculine is enough of a prick, that masculine's going to put him in his wounded feminine, and now we have the foursome. And now we have the shadows really playing out. What's the foursome? We're having a relationship, there's two of us. Aaron's masculine, my feminine. That's the most obvious energy. but. The invisible partnership is his feminine and my masculine. So there's four of us. My woman, his man, his woman, my man. And if I don't have a well-developed masculine and he doesn't have a well-developed feminine, these two are just gonna be creating chaos and then our guardians are gonna be up and we're either gonna fight like dogs both trying to be right, become mates and not have sex, Right? And that's where most relationships are at. Most relationships are either two masculine energies fighting each other, trying to be right and in defense and protection until it gets so tiring that they fuck and have really good sex because of all the tension created from the fighting. And we have the wonderful push pull dynamic, right? Of overly passionate relationships that are codependent. Or we have the underpassionate relationships where the safety of both people being in their masculine means let's do this like a team. Let's get a house, let's have kids, let's do life. This is your job, this is my job. When we get home from our job, we put television on, then we both fall asleep. Once we put the kids down, in an exhausted slumber of a passionless marriage. <laughs> Who, whose parents had a passionless marriage like that? Whose parents had an overly passionate marriage like the other one where there was lots of fighting? Right. Whose parents had a beautifully secure relationship where passion, beauty and friendship was alive and well? Nice. Very lucky woman. If, are you single? Okay, any single guys, you need to get onto that shit. <laughs> it's time. All right, so, I reckon we're done with shadow work, but any questions about dating shadows? We're going to go more into relationship tomorrow. Dating shadows, shadow work, yep. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. So, what the addict needs, and this is in the manual, the ally of the addict is self-care, right? So, I remember as well when I did this practice, my addiction was love addiction, addiction to mystical shamanic teachers who could take me to God. <laughs> it was quite a fun addiction. And, and then what, what my addiction needed to be fed with was God energy, right, and then after I'd been fed with that and I came into it, I felt very cared for. I'm like, oh, I need to take better care of myself. What's going to take better care of myself? Connecting to God. So I'll get addicted to connecting to God myself instead of on the outside, and that's my self-care practice. So I choose addictions that take me to God. You need to choose an addiction to replace your addiction with something that gives you the same feeling that the addiction gives you. So if you're a man and you're addicted to pot, what you're actually addicted to is finally feeling some feminine flow. So you're probably overly polarised in your masculine. Right? So you need to get addicted to something that's healthy for you that's going to put you in your feminine flow, like maybe dancing or self-pleasuring in a certain way, or whatever it is. Do you mind sharing what your addiction is? Mm-hmm. Food? So what... Who else has food addiction? It's like such a huge addiction, hey? Because it just like, it's so good at stuffing those emotions down. So how does it make you feel? Right, so you want to relax, right? Food helps you to relax. Yeah, which is the opposite to control is relaxed. The system is completely relaxed. So you need to get addicted to something that's going to put you in a parasympathetic state, right? So things that take you into parasympathetic state, breath of fire, nature, um, different pranayama techniques, sauna, sauna and cold plunge. But it has to be something you enjoy, right? Uh, There's, I don't know if you know about, Healy, but there's certain programs on Healy that take you into that state. And then just whenever you're changing a pattern, it takes about 30 days to rewire. So there's going to be, whenever you're changing anything, it's not going to be easy. So that's where your yoga needs to come in, right? Spiritual discipline. Every time I want to eat and, or overstuff myself, people either overstuff or understuff to not feel right? Because when you're not eating, you ascend. When you're eating lots, you, right? Both ways, you're not feeling a lot. And it'd be interesting to go deeper with that because usually food addiction is also I don't want to feel. It's, it's another another side of the same coin. So yeah, whatever that Addiction is you're going to have to practice discernment, awareness and discipline, right? And all of these shadows when you become aware of them. So you'll see in the manual I've written out hidden motives. So good to be aware of hidden motives where, okay, I I might say to Aaron, oh, I'm really, really sick and I need you to stay home today. And actually my hidden motive comes from a place of I'm afraid to be alone, or I'm scared he's going to fuck someone, or something like that, right? Or a hidden motive, like I might say to Aaron, oh, um, I think that you should set up an event, it'll be really good for us because I feel like the people of Ubud need to own their darkness, so let's run Own Your Darkness. But my motive is actually greed, and instead of saying, hey, I want some money, can you set up an event? (laughs) And that, that happens a lot. We're full of shit. So when you start examining hidden motives, you stop being full of shit. You're, you're more honest about them.
1: Yeah, I think just two, two last points before we close on Shadow. Um, one one of the best things that I, I learned, I did a master's in spiritual psychology in my early 20s. And one of the principles that really stuck with me is utilize life as a, as a school. So that means all of the people, places, and experiences that you're, like the moment you leave here and you go back into life, everything that's there you've created in one way or another. And you can run a million different stories about why it's there, but if you can actually utilize the people that are in front of you in business, in relationship, parents, all that, and instead of the place of, oh, wow, this is really intense, utilize that place of, wow, can I enter life from the perspective of not always being in school, but really, what is it that they're showing me that I haven't owned within myself? And that's, you know, and in, in you take that into your day-to-day living, it really starts to change the way in which you're observing the world around you. And the second part is, we didn't really go into it, but I'll just name it briefly, is golden shadows. And And golden shadows are uh, massive, because often when we speak about you know shadows, it's usually that like going into the underworld and going into these dark abyss places, and that, that's beautiful. But notice when you put people on a pedestal. So the th- two things: where do you put somebody in, in a pit, and where do you put somebody in a mm-hmm. pedestal? And when you can recognize the differentiating points of both, both of that, they're both parts of yourself that you have projected out that you haven't owned, and so that. When you pedestal somebody and you're like, "Wow, my God, they're amazing," begin to and, and I'll show you some really beautiful practices, more in a, a mind state of how to actually begin to own all of that inside of you. The shadow piece is more like the deep parts happening, at, you know, at the third chakra. But as you're integrating all of that, the mind also has to learn how to how to find balance within it. So the part of the golden shadow is recognizing who is it that when you see them you're like oh my god and you might not even have that recognition but you're often drawn to it so we start to notice in life as a classroom what is it that i'm repelled by and what is it that i'm attracted to and literally you're repelled by it so i I carry around these two magnets because if I do positive and positive, they don't like this is a positive and this is a positive. I feel a force that doesn't let them come together. If I go like this, it comes together. So if I'm repelled by something, that I haven't owned it. If I'm attracted to something, I am usually haven't owned it. So just start to recognize in your train of thought and how your body is feeling in association of different people around you. And that is really a gateway to plummet into the, the whole sphere of what shadow work really is.
0: Mm, beautiful. So close your eyes right now. Think of someone in the room that you've compared yourself to in a way of like, oh, I wish I could be more like them. Or well, they're so amazing. What's the quality in them that you're really attracted to? Oh, she's so sensual, she's so sexy, she's so smart.
1: Specific quality.
0: He's so strong and stable, but not like you're just observing it. There's a big charge. Like, you want to get to know that, but you want to be close to that person, you want to be like that person, you want to learn from that person. You wish you were that person. You're not just observing, right? Whenever you're talking about shadows, it's big charges. They are a reflection of you. They are a reflection of you. If you think that me or Tara or Matilda or Arika, some amazing goddess, and you're wanting to get really close and be like that and pedestaling any of us, we're a reflection of you. That's why you're drawn to us. Same with the men, with Aaron, the fact that you've chosen us as teachers. Whoever you choose as your teachers is a reflection of you. We're opening the eyes. So something I do now, automatically, I've trained myself, is like whenever I have a thought about another woman and I'm like kind of obsessed and can't stop looking at her, like, okay, what is it about her? Oh, wow, she moves so beautifully and the old me would be like, I wish I moved like that and what if Aaron's going to like her more than me? And so now I automatically put it in the eye. Oh, she moves so beautifully. I move so beautifully. And then I really get into it. Yeah? So it's it's something fun. And, you know, the last bit of homework for you with shadow work is if you're having a difficulty in your life and you actually want to know the truth and make the choice that's going to change your life, ask someone that you trust. You trust their objectivity. You trust their love for you. What's my piece in this? I said to Tara um, before when the struggle with my ex-husband, I'm like, babe, what the fuck am I not saying? And she's like, you just don't know how amazing you are. You're putting up with his shit. You just don't get it. She actually, she, she used to call me Jesus. I banned her from it. But she was like, you're Jesus, babe. <laughs> you should not be with him. I'm like, I'm not Jesus. Okay, but you're amazing and you don't know how amazing you are. And when I look back on that, if I, had a, I didn't listen when she said that. But I needed to fucking listen. It went for another two years after she said that. But then I finally started listening. I had, I had a whole allyship around me with this guy, you know, and all my friends, because he was so incredible. You know when you're with someone and their light is so bright and the sex was so fucking good, you know, there were so many things that were amazing that I'm like, yeah, there's just this, but the just this was fucked. <laughs> Who's had that? And they're like hanging on, but that fucked bit, it might go because this is so good. It's not going to go, people. It's not going to go. Ten-year first marriage, that bit never went. Five-year second relationship, that bit never went. Five-year third relationship, and it's all still there. I'm friends with all of them. It's all still there with all of them. This one... After being with him a mu- for a month, I knew I could be with him for the rest of my life, even if nothing changed. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll end on that note. Well, he's pretty fucking amazing. <laughs> yeah. So, I have a question. I was having a very
1: deep conversation with Joe the other day, and it was
0: basically for men who get in touch with their arsehole, right? To get in touch with their asshole that's where a lot of men store tension. Yeah, is it like you're getting in touch with your feminine, or...? Yeah, because when you're penetrated in the asshole, you experience what it's like to be penetrated. Right. that's very
1: uncomfortable, right? Men, men love to penetrate but are terrified of being penetrated. And just like everything we're talking about, it's a whole other conversation, mm-hmm. we won't go there right now.
0: No, we're not no. going into
1: that. We won't be going in. You,
0: can, you can talk come, to Aaron come, about come, that. Come J- July 5th, July 5th. Go, go to the
1: initiation
0: come and your We're every, every
1: shadow, homophobia, trust, everything that, that men deal with that nobody wants to talk about, we put it on the table, we deal with it, we dive into it. So a few of these brothers here have been through there and I'm sure they'll share their experience.
0: Yeah, yep. that's a good one. Yep. Shadow work or the shadow work no, <laughs> no, as long as you're human, you have a shadow, right? However, it's a lot easier. I've, I've done this, I've been dedicated to shadow work for 20 years, right? But it's evolved. When I did shadow work with Jung, more Jung's practices, it was very mental. And then with Tantra, it became more embodied, but you know, I, I feel like 90% of the time I'm completely authentic in myself and knowing what my motives are and unashamed of them and being able to say what I think and feel. However, that 10% is still there and I don't think that's ever going to go. And I've asked the same question to teachers. I remember I asked Bruce and he just went, huh, 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 huh. Did, his, <laughs> did his deep laugh. I'm like, do you still have shadows? He goes, yeah, and they're really big now. And that's what I find when I do go into my shadow, and Aaron will attest to this, when I go unconscious, I go, fucking unconscious, I'm a devil, <laughs> an absolute devil.
1: We still love you. You
0: still love me. None of the other boys have been able to handle it. This one handles it. Yeah. So do you find through all the work you've done in couples, like there's something from the beginning that mm-hmm. carries the whole way Yeah. There, there's, there's something called the egregore of the relationship. That's the spirit of the relationship. And that forms relative to where both people's intentions were when they met. So if you haven't, if you met, in a place of neediness or someone was your rebound, you're in fucking trouble, right? Or if you met and it was like you had all of these addictions and they had addictions too and you could play with your addictions together and you're trying to overcome addictions with this person, you need to deal with the egregore of the relationship first. Or, you know, most people, their relationship is formed on codependency right the feminine is missing in me <gasps> i'm going to project her onto you and i'm going to need you to be a certain way the masculine is missing in me and i'm going to need you so yeah in the couples work that Aaron and i do we shift that egregore of the relationship well, yeah it can shift it's yeah. an energetic it's an but it it's hard and sometimes um Without the egregore, there's no relationship, right?
1: And, and I mean, we'll, we'll dive into a lot more relationship dynamics tomorrow, but uh, the other piece with that is that people change, but they don't change that much. Mm-hmm. And, and the biggest thing I see happen in relationships is people fall in love with potential. Mm-hmm. And we can absolutely, like Raven is an amazing reflection of parts inside that I haven't been willing to really honour and love and appreciate, but and same for myself, like, but we're willing to stand in that fire and move through it because a lot of the way in which our relationship formed was I was on a deep journey of my inner union and, and she very much the same. So like we met and that really was the, the essential nature and we're both very much independent on our own and we come together and then there's another entity created inside of our connection.
0: So we intentionally, when we got together, were like our inner union is our primary relationship. And, you know, that overflow of inner union is so beautiful and it's only possible when you work with the wounded child. This is absolutely paramount. If you don't reparent that wounded child, you're going to want mummy and daddy in your partner, right? And secure attachment comes from feet. So I strongly suggest everyone does a Feed the Demons practice with your wounded child. That's in the manual. The ally that I found was Divine Child. So what mine needed was attention. My wounded child was, you don't give me any fucking attention. You're always with your kids or your partner or with clients. Hello, I'm here. Give me some attention, please. So I poured attention into her and the ally of that was this divine child of like, I can play, I'm in awe and I I like to set myself challenges. I set myself a 30-day challenge of tuning into her every day and giving her what she wanted. And it was so remarkable, you know, and, and obviously you, d- you can't do that with everything with your inner child because they're, they're just going to want ice cream and party and play all day. So you're not going to get much done. But if you just do it for 30 days, I find that if you do anything for 30 days, it's going to take, swing the pendulum the other way so that you can come into balance when you're really disconnected from something. So I spent 30 days in my masculine and letting my masculine make all the choices. I went to gay clubs, fucked lots of women, got into a relationship with a woman after that, and just really, all right, I'm a dude, what would my dude do today? It caused some problems sometimes, but I went with it. (laughs) I went with it.
1: It's a 32-day, actually, is, is what science shows.
0: Oh, sorry. I only did 30.
1: Yep. 32 day. If you do anything for 32 days consistently, there's a change. Maybe I need that
0: other tube bag for Chelsea. Yeah, probably. Yeah, right. yep. We'll give it to him. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so tantric massage. Let me see the time. Great. All right, so the beautiful thing about tantric massage for a man when he's receiving is that he finally gets to surrender, right? because often a man is doing a bit more of the work, (laughs) Has any, like if you energetically fuck a woman from your masculine, afterwards you'll be like, who's found that when they've gone into their masculine as a a woman? It's, It's pretty wild. So they need a break and tantric massage is a beautiful space where they can surrender. It's also a space where they can start to become more sensitive to touch and move towards more sensitization. it's also a space where they can get more in touch with their emotions because touch generally brings out emotions. And same for a woman. So tantric massage opens the emotional body, it sensitises the body, and it gives you a good framework for foreplay because what tantric massage is really is an erotic meditation. You're touching the body with a lot of awareness and it's going to train you to slow things down. And the woman's going to start getting used to, wow, this is really beautiful. How open are you ladies after sensual touch for 20 minutes? Right? And lots of men say to me, like once Aaron and I start working with them in a love appointment framework where a timer is set and you have to actually have 20 minutes where there's no penetration and the woman's body is being warmed up and her heart is opening, that they can't believe how much more surrendered she is when it comes to penetration. So for the women in the room, ask for that. For the men in the room, give that to women. It's going gonna, it's gonna to create much m- much deeper surrendered sex, and tantric massage is the training tool for slowing everything down. So we're going we're gonna to guide you through the tantric massage. You're going to get a transmission of it. Who has already found their partner? Okay, so the people who have already found their partner go on this side of the room or the couples who are doing it together and everyone else go to that side of the room. If any couples are undecided, that means you need to go together. So just go together. <laughs> if it's that much of a head fuck, you need to go together. Thanks for listening to the Love, Sex and Freedom podcast. For more great free resources, in-person and online workshops and our retreats, Find us on Instagram and Facebook at Embodied Awakening Academy or visit embodiedawakeningacademy.com. See you next time.